Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Seattle to Unknown. I am still, still Melinda. And I'm relieved it's still you. And I'm Sarah. It would be weird if it weren't you. I don't know. I get called all the wrong names still, and it's been increasingly worse lately, so I might have an identity crisis soon. I'm surprised you haven't had one already. Me too, actually. For the majority of my life, I feel like I've been called the wrong name. So, yay. Uh, that's, I went to the pharmacy recently and they were putting their name in the, their system, my name in their system. And the woman asked, how do you spell your name? And I said, Sarah with an H. And she goes, okay, S-A-H-O. How? How does it go in the middle? <laughs> uh, I'm going to start spelling your name she like that. She was lovely. Well, she was lovely and very kind in every other way. But for that one moment, I went, grin and bear it, grin and bear it. No. Can I have a piece of paper? I'll write it for you. (laughs) I wonder if she has kids and what their names are and how they're spelled. Well, she was Middle Eastern, so I'm guessing they probably have traditional Middle Eastern names. Oh, okay. Which would explain some of the spelling, but the H in the middle of my name comes up more and more often. And it's just not even a spelling that would ever occur to me. So I just kind of pause, find my center, and then offer to spell it again. Would it be S-A-H-R-A? Yeah, I think that's what she was trying to spell. I'm changing your name in my phone to that now. That's fine. You've been in my phone for like 10 years as marimba. And everybody thinks you're insane for talking to a musical instrument. Yeah. Anyways, moving on to cocktails. Cocktails. Do you actually have one, Slacky McSlackerson? Mayor McSlackerson. Uh, my cocktail this week, it contains fluid, but is not itself a drink. I was getting super, super sleepy on my way home today, and I stopped at a grocery store, and they had pocket coffee, which is a chocolate filled with espresso, and I've had four of them. So I'm not going to eat another one on microphone because that'd be gross. You don't want to hear me eat, but also because I cannot have another one tonight. Can't or shouldn't? Both. Is it actually like liquid in it? Is this something that'll be confiscated and be put into your liquid bag? Yes, it would be. It is like, you know, chocolates that have alcohol in them. It's like that, but espresso and it's very strong. Huh. That sounds good though. Let me see. Pocket coffee. Um, caffeine content. I'm willing to bet it's pretty high. Well, it should be if it's Nothing is coming up. There's no caffeine in it. It's all just flavoring. It's all just in my head. Yep, basically. Nope, no information whatsoever. Not useful. (laughs) Yeah, it's just coffee flavoring. You're just pretending that there's actually caffeine in there. That would be impressive considering how wired I am right now. Placebo effect. (laughs) God, that would be depressing. I don't drink a whole lot of coffee anymore, so having four of them was a huge mistake. So, um, enjoy this next hour of entertainment, people. Don't have high hopes. Anyway, what's your cocktail? I have one of the most magical things in the world. I have a Fisher Fair scone that I might already have devoured, but I don't know if scones are a big deal to other fairs and places, whatnot, but Fisher Fair scones are a big deal here from the Washington State Fair. I mean, you can get them at like pop-up like um, celebration things or they'll do a pop-up stand near the fairgrounds every now and again. But scones of raspberry jammy deliciousness. I buy a baker's dozen every year and I basically eat them all by myself. I can't believe you called it the Washington State Fair. It took everything in me to say it right. (laughs) It's like people who call the SeaTac Mall the commons. 
shut up. No, it's, it's a SeaTac mall. mall. Yeah. It's it's the old things like that, but it's bigger than just Puyallup. It's like the fair for us. It's a big deal. These scones, they're a big yeah. deal too. They're so good. I think when other states have their fairs the big thing is like fried food on a stick and there's a little bit of that at the puyallup fair but there's a like everything's fried on a stick there's fried butter but i think the that's not the draw like it's there you can have it but when you go to the fair you think of scones i do because i'd rather have the scones than the fried shit oh you're telling me you don't want fried butter on a stick what could be better I don't know if you know this, but I'm not Paula Dean, so <laughs> nope. Fried butter sounds disgusting. What could be better than fried butter just made me think of the the jingle from Golf and the Gator. What could be greater could than be playing better a than game with Golf, golf and the Gator? And... Yeah. <laughs> gator, gator golf. It goes in his mouth. Gator golf. He pops it right out. Gator golf. <laughs> what could be greater than playing a game of Golf and the Gator? I clearly have not heard that in a long time because I didn't remember half of it. And it's probably still wrong, except for the end. Yeah, probably. Someone out there knows what I'm talking about. But no, these scones are amazing. So what you're telling me is your cocktail is raspberry jam. Nestled inside a sweet, tender, scony vessel of deliciousness. So the scone is like a bread straw. Ew. I'm trying to make this a cocktail somehow. (laughs) Work with me here. Uh, I'm pretty sure they would be confiscated at the airport because of the jam. And, you know, they're going to want it for I themselves. I could see you. I just have this image of you going through security. You get up to the, the person and they're like, ma'am, you've got to get rid of these. They've got liquid on them. And you just licking the jam off of them one by one. No, I would just eat them. And be like, hang on. Hang on. Just nom, 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 nom. <laughs> I'm going to eat 13 scones right now. Yeah. I may or may not puke up the scones. <laughs> Have you seen the episode of 30 Rock where Liz does the romantic thing where she chases after her boyfriend to the airport, but she gets there and she has her favorite sandwich and it comes with a tub of sauce. And so they're like, ma'am, that's a liquid. You've got to, you've got to dump that or you've got to eat it. And so she just knocks back the sandwich and the sauce all at once. And the TSA agent's like, I mean, I ain't even mad. I'm just impressed. Yeah, that's going to be exactly the situation. Just 13 scones down the hatch. That's the one difference between Liz Lemon and I is that I would not hesitate to dump a sandwich. You monster. <laughs> I mean, I would be there for the scones, but sandwich? Nah. No, my, my scone <laughs> supply is dwindling too, so I'm kind of getting sad. You should just stand outside the fairgrounds and tell someone, I'll pay you 20 bucks to go get me a bag of scones. Oh no, it's ended now. Oh, well then you can't do that. I take it back. Nope. I have to wait for like a pop-up booth or next year for the fair. Bummer. It Bummer, is. Dude. It really is. These scones are magic. I think you can buy the mix online. So if you're a scone fan, Fisher scones, Fisher Fair scones, or if you're feeling fancy, scones. What? That's we a can't thing. be friends if you're gonna call That's them thing. scones. That's terrible. I work with a lot of British people. It's rubbing off. Just kidding. No, it's not. No, they can't be scones. They're not pretentious like that. Well, I mean, they're served at the Puyallup Fair. They definitely can't be pretentious. That's probably like the healthiest option, too. When you're nestled between a stand that sells elephant ears and fried butter, there's no pretension left over. Although, relative to those two things, pretty pretentious. They're not. They get their own booths. Anyways, weekly update. Well, uh, my update is that my sunburn is miraculously healed. 
We talked about that last week, my crappy, awful sunburn. And now it's not so awful. So, hallelujah. I truly thought I was going to have massive scarring from it because it was awful. But now, not so bad. Thank you to the pharmacist who couldn't spell my name but knew exactly what to put on it. For your crusty lizard skin? It crusted over like four different times. Gross. All different textures. That is so gross. Nope. Yeah, it was awful. What's your update? Well, hockey season has started for our local WHL team. Went to the home opener. We won. Did it pretty good. Ooh. I mean, you know, they're kids. So hopefully it'll be a good <laughs> season for us. When is the NHL team coming to Seattle? How long away is that? How f- Next season, it should be. I think they're going to announce... Do we have a name yet? No, they're going to announce all of that at the All-Star Game, so that's not till like February. That's a long way off. How long is the hockey season? So this year, the regular season is going to go from October 2nd to April 4th, and then playoffs will happen after that. Okay, so, it's so pretty it's good. A, it is a fairly... It's a relatively short sports season, though. Not everybody can continuously play in the background of people's minds like soccer or baseball. Hey, yeah, baseball seems to go on forever. But soccer is the perfect length of time and could, in fact, be slightly longer. It just goes on and then like people are like, oh, yeah, that's still a thing. Let's go. (laughs) Honestly, it could be year round. I'd be fine with that. I mean, we'd lose players sooner because we'd be wearing them down. But, you know, it would be fun for the viewers. So there's literally nobody else that could be, you know, eligible players. <laughs> it's like, we have signed 14 children for this season. How did this happen? How is a 12-year-old going to match up against a 3-year-old, you guys? The 3-year-old can't <laughs> even stand the whole time. But they're really good at knocking people over. Accidentally, because they're crawling, but, you know. Crawling or, like, rolling around. Just, like, <laughs> taking you out at the end. Just kids rolling down hills. Yeah! Like, oh. Player number six has removed his diaper. I don't know what we're supposed to do about this. Is this an automatic disqualification? Who knows? Somebody called the child's parents. They want their orange slices. Yeah. See, bad idea. Well, you know what? It was a good idea. Don't let it go to your head. That's the only good idea you've had. Whatever. I have tons of good ideas. (laughs) Speaking about good ideas, let's get to the news story. Oh, boy. I cannot stop thinking about this story. So, in the 80s, American Airlines offered something called the A-Air Pass. I don't know if that's pronounced A-Air or, I don't know, it's A-A like American Airlines. Arr Pass. And at that time, the A-Air Pass was $250,000, but with it came a lifetime ticket. Basically, you call them, you say, I want to be on this flight, you are on the flight, no money down, because you've already paid your quarter million dollars. In the 80s, mind you, were that is even more money than that's probably like a million dollars now in this i'd have to guess let's see calculating for inflation it's a lot regardless and it was a lot then too yeah it's it's just a shit ton of money any way you look at it and it was sort of designed as a program that they thought companies would use for their salespeople who traveled a ton and But this man who was a stockbroker in the 80s who grew up traveling, his dad was a traveling salesman and would do things like fly him to a random city, say, I'm going out on some sales. When I get back, be packed and ready to go and we'll be on our next flight. So he grew up constantly flying. And so this ticket seemed reasonable to him because he would be constantly flying for the rest of his life eventually he added on a second ticket so there's a companion ticket which was only one hundred and fifty thousand. and again i say only 
very loosely relative to the (laughs) first ticket, it was less. And he and his family flew first class for 20 some years. Let me see. His name is last name Rothstein. What is his first name? I want to say Peter, but I'm not certain about that. Let me see. I think you're just making things up. Uh, His daughter's name is Caroline. His wife's name is Nancy. Where is his first name? You can get pretty far into this article before anybody mentions what his actual first name is. Stephen. His first name Stephen is Dad. Rothstein. So he traveled on this ticket for 30-some years before American Airlines revoked his ticket from him. Now, is and it just him or is it like everybody with these... It's him and a handful of other people, all for various different reasons. For instance, there was a man whose last name was Vroom, which seems fitting. He had his ticket revoked because he also had a companion ticket, and he was subsidizing the cost of his ticket by selling his companion ticket, which is not within the terms and conditions. He should not be profiting off of another ticket. Yes. Well, and Stephen Rothstein had his ticket revoked because he was engaging in speculation which in the airline industry essentially means he was booking up a lot of tickets that he had no plans whatsoever to use just in case just in case he wanted to so he argues that it was his right to book whatever he was also booking his companion ticket as bag rothstein so his intention was to use that seat to put his bag on it i mean that's kind of clever that he straight up also told them hey my bag goes here this is my bag seat it's yeah or he'd funny. call it or he he would book it under the name stephen jr but it's a little funny it is but if you look at it from the point of view of the airline these are all every single ticket first class and let's say a first class ticket and we're gonna super duper low ball it is worth $500. If he isn't in that seat, they could have sold it for 500 bucks. Again, first class is probably much, much higher than that, but it's a nice low figure. In the last three years, he had his ticket, his two tickets actually, he booked but did not use $2.5 million worth of tickets. Two? Holy crap. Yeah. So eventually Rothstein took them to court and was fighting and he said that essentially they handicapped his mobility. There's one quote in here about how he thought he'd be 70 someday and get to just hop on a flight to Stockholm, pick up some flowers and come back, which doesn't make me feel super sympathetic for this guy. Like you could do that or you could not have a massive carbon impact to get yourself some flowers. Yeah, but that also sounds... Like, could you imagine the jet lag? <laughs> just like, zip, zip. Like, just how crappy you could potentially feel from just... I don't know. That does not sound... I'm not Oprah, you guys. I can't just fly somewhere for one thing and then go back. That does not appeal to me. Yeah, and to give you a little bit of perspective about uh, how many flights he was booking... Why so many and not taking them? Because he wanted the option. But... He was reserving things he was never going to use, and he kind of had an idea that would happen. Yeah. Here is a really good show of just how much he was wasting for the airline. And this article was written by his daughter. It was posted on theguardian.com. The paragraph says, I had read in the court documents that, according to the senior analyst at American Airlines who investigated Dad and the other air pass holders, of the 3,009 flight segments Dad booked for himself between May 2005 and December 2008, 
two and a half years. It wasn't even three. 3,000 flights in that time period. Uh, he either canceled or was considered a no-show for 84% of those reservations. During that same time period, he booked 2,648 flight segments for travel companions, and 2,269 were either canceled or a no-show. Wow. That's so many flights. 84% so of the many. ones that he was booking, he's not actually taking. That's crazy. What's exactly. the point? And for that time period, that means he's booking over a thousand flights a year. That comes Who out to time over for three flights a day. Three flights a day for two and a half years. Actually, more than that because I calculated for three years and that's only two and a half years. Ay, yikes. And he argues in order to use this card, he had to call a special like elite VIP concierge and they would book it for him. And he argues, if you didn't want me to book that many flights, you could have told me that. But VIP concierges are there to cater to you. And how are they supposed to know which flights you actually intend to make or not? My favorite part is when he says, I didn't own a computer during any of that time period. You booked it all for me. Well, no, your concierge <laughs> that that doesn't like if you had a concierge that you were paying an exorbitant amount of money for and they didn't book what you asked, you wouldn't be too happy. They're damned if they do, damned if they don't. And you have to know in the terms and conditions that just booking a flight, three, four flights for every single day of the week, and then not using them is not going to make them very happy. It's, I definitely think it's an abuse of that ticket. And I get why American Airlines would be upset and trying to revoke it, because there has to be reasonable parameters for the program. Yeah, exactly. And I understand his frustrations that it's like having your driver's license taken away, essentially. Like suddenly you are you don't have the freedom of movement that you used to have. But he took way advantage of it. And part of the reason he says that he was constantly booking an empty seat next to him was that he had lost a child in the 2000s and was incredibly depressed. Very, very depressed beyond, like, recognition. But, and I get, you don't want to sit next to anybody. Like, that, when you're in a low point you don't necessarily want a chatty buddy sitting next to you a random stranger but i don't think that justifies booking a thousand flights a year and then using 500 of them yeah yeah or not even that like 200 of them maybe so yeah it's a really interesting article because it's from his daughter's perspective it's very gentle with him one of the recurring stories she tells is about how his dad's her dad's concierge would always say bye now they'd see each other at the airport and when they were like leaving each other she'd turn and say bye now and he'd reply pay later <sighs> and i think she thinks that's a really cute anecdote i really don't think so that right there kind of it's the last note of the article is saying goodbye to the concierge and saying him saying bye now and pay later i don't uh... think that's charming at all no, because he's literally paying later right now with these court battles that he's in. Yeah, well, and eventually it got overturned and he lost. But it wasn't always clear during the court case that he would lose. And when he sued them for damages for essentially immobilizing him, he sued them for $7 million because that would have been the value of the flights he anticipated using for the rest of his life. Yikes. And yes, American Airlines lacked a lot of foresight when they sold these tickets it's not a good business move not unless it's a limited quantity with very strict parameters of what you can and cannot do when it's a full-on free-for-all 
you're going to get in some big old trouble. But in the contract, they did have very strict parameters, which is why they won their case. Yeah. And I completely think rightfully so. Because he, if he was using all of the flights he was booking, that would be one thing. But he was not. And right. it screwed them over pretty badly. Mm-hmm. He's lucky that they let it go on for as long as they did. He used it for 25 years. Which would have paid for itself easily. Within five years. Five years? Yeah. <laughs> So, yikes. So, yeah, that was the super crazy story that I came across. And yes, this did happen a few years ago, but this new article written by his daughter is new in September. It's an interesting one. I highly recommend reading it because you go back and forth. Like, is it his fault? Is it their fault? In the end, it's probably a little of each. But I think the conclusion of the court case was just. I think so. I mean, yeah, you can't abuse something like that. With great power becomes great responsibility. Yeah, and you can't right, Uncle Ben to be... <laughs> yes. I've decided but, you're uh, Uncle Ben since you have the gray hair, so... Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, you can't expect to be doing that much financial damage to someone and have them not notice. What do you mean I hurt you? If you have your own line in their balance sheet, they're gonna notice. Right? Yeah. So yeah, things to keep in mind if you get like a sweet deal. Don't abuse it or it'll be taken away. Pretty much. But if you do have a magical golden ticket for flying and you're a little worried about things, we are here to help. Because like promised, this is part two of, um, I guess, travel anxieties for the beginners. Is that what we decided this is? Yeah, something along that line. But if you happen to have a magical golden ticket that helps you fly and you have travel anxiety, I will help you with that. I would gladly, gladly take that magical ticket off your hands. Oh, I thought you were going to offer to be the buddy and just like, I'll hold your hand the whole time. Um, I feel like my travel anxiety compounded with someone else's travel anxiety would be bad, but I'll gladly take a ticket. Wow, rude. It's not even (laughs) helping. No, but I don't feel like I could help if your anxiety is in addition to my own. Because, hey, everybody has travel anxieties. Yes, everybody. And it might crop up in a whole lot of different ways, but everybody has a little bit. But at least here are s- some handy dandy tips on hopefully ways to make it a little less terrible. Yep. Uh some of these may work for you, some of them may not. Like I said, everybody's anxiety manifests in different ways. So this might not touch on your particular brand of anxiety. Maybe you have something very unique. But if there are, look, this is a list that you can try out and see what works for you. If you have something that's different that you try out, you've done that works for you and you want to be able to share it, uh, drop us a line and we'll share it in another episode. Yep. And I think this is a list that's going to be evolving because I we have our own things that worry us and uh, we see them from one point of view and there's lots of different ways to tackle different anxiety issues. Lots of different ways. So use this as a baseline and... I don't know, there could be another episode. Hey, new things. Things that people have shared that yep. work for them that might work for you. So, shall we begin? We shall begin. Romeo, uh, just remember, you can always go home. It may sound stupidly simple, but I think that's one thing that we get so worked up at that, you know, there's very, very few instances for beginning travelers where um, you can't Where am I going with this? There's very few instances for people where you can't walk away from something 
Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if it's just not going well, it's not a good time or anything, you can always go home if you want to. If that's the best decision for you to make versus sticking it out, then do that. Don't feel like you're yep. ever stuck in any given situation. Like, for instance, when I was an exchange student, I was struggling a lot with my host family. We weren't a super great personality match. And when I reached Christmas, I had been there four months at that point, I had a complete breakdown. Christmas night, it was awful. And I told my host parents, like, I cannot do this anymore. I called my parents. They said, fine, don't worry about it. We will get you a ticket. If you need to get out of there, we will get you out of there. And I think hearing that there was a possibility if I needed to, I could come home at any moment, got me through. I had an escape hatch if I needed it. And Ultimately, that was all I needed. I needed to know that if I felt uncomfortable, if I felt pressured, if I felt bad in any way, I could just get on the phone and someone would help me get back home. And that kind of carried on into adulthood. Once I started traveling on my own, I realized, okay, the world is not super scary, but if I find myself in a particular situation that feels scary, there are people who will get me home if I need it. And that changed from Other people can help me get home to realizing, okay, I've got enough money. I planned well enough that if something goes wrong, I can buy myself a ticket and get out of here. And having that safety net, knowing that that safety net existed made it easier. Yeah. Yeah. There's very few instances where you actually are like locked in. Yeah, it's going to suck that you spent more money and you're losing out on things that you might have prepaid for. But if getting out is the right thing for you, then don't be afraid to do it. It's only money. You can't take it with you. Yeah, it's the break glass in case of emergency option. It is always there if you need it. Yep. So don't be afraid to use it if you need to. Yep. And this next one is uh, speaks to me pretty highly. It's Remember, there is almost nothing you can forget to pack or bring with you that cannot be replaced at your destination. Sometimes when I'm packing, I tried, at least when I first started traveling, I would try to pack something for every possible thing that might come up. Oh, it could rain. Granted, it's July in Italy, but what if I need my raincoat? Mm, What if I need rain boots? Oh, what if I need a cold, a jacket for cold weather? What if this happens? What if that happens? Do I need to bring a mirror for emergency signaling? Like the way my brain spirals (laughs) and thinks of all of the possible emergencies is absolutely insane. And then I realized, oh, wait, I don't need a fire starter because that would be insane. Like, I don't need a fire starter. I'm going to ask you if you have your emergency signal mirror every time now. (laughs) You joke, but I have an emergency kit in my living room that has all of that stuff in it. I mean, I have a really good first aid kit in my hiking backpack, but that's <laughs> typically where I'm going to need that sort of thing. I I think the kid in me who learned about earthquakes really young and needing to have like a disaster kit wants to have all that stuff with me just in case. But on the basic level of things, oh, well, what if I get blisters and I need band-aids? Or what if I... No, no. Blisters are not a what if with you. <laughs> blisters are guaranteed for you. Bring those. That's practical. <laughs> but there's so little that you could forget to pack or what ifs type stuff that you can't get wherever you're going. You might not get the exact brand that you would get at home, but you can find a solution wherever you are. Especially if you're beginning beginner traveler and you're only going to developed nations 
if you're going to a war-torn country, yeah, that might be slightly more challenging. But if you're a beginning traveler, you're probably not doing that. Or if you're going to be in remote places where it's not just like a jaunt down the street to pick something up. Yeah, but if you're doing that, you probably have some experience in that or you're going with a guide who can tell you exactly what you need to bring my theory with this because sometimes i think you know do i have enough layers am i gonna freeze to death a little bit more practical than my uh signal mirror but i keep (laughs) telling myself all i need is my wallet and my passport and any prescription medications that's it everything else can be replaced improvised it's gonna be okay but Wallet and passport are things that, I mean, it can, but that's going to be way, way more difficult to replace while you're away. So as long as I have those, I'm okay. Yeah. Medications are obviously really important. You can probably get those replaced, but if you have a medication that is super important to you, you probably have it on your mind already anyway. Yeah. So those three things, that's all you need. You'll be set. And a signal mirror. And your signal mirror. Oh, wait, are we signaling Batman for help or like medical services? It's like in movies where like the random kid gets stranded in the woods and they have to signal someone for help. Look, it makes perfect sense in my head. Yes, Batman. You know, all those Batman movies where he rescues kids lost in the jungle. Hey, you know, sometimes Gotham gets a little bit boring when everybody's actually locked up because he did his job. (laughs) Uh, I don't think that has ever happened. I don't think there's a single moment where Batman doesn't have someone to defeat. Arkham, like, leaks convicts. They really need to look into better walls there. Better security systems. Yeah, a little bit. Have a a safety net. Like, uh, next one on our lip lip? list is saving money. Um, Just having, like, a safety net pool of money gives you a little bit more peace of mind yeah maybe you decide you do need to go home for whatever reason having the money set aside just in case is never a bad idea so saving money is not always super easy but if you have any concerns any concern about being financially ready save more than you think you need which is always kind of smart to do in general. You don't want to go on your trip with a super strict budget. So if something does kind of snafu, you have your safety net. I don't know. That's just, that's how I am in everyday life. I want a bit of a safety net just because if something does come up, then I'll be able to have it and not be like, okay, we're eating cat food. Yeah, and if you don't feel that your safety net, your pad of money is large enough, then I would make sure that you have a credit card with you. I know that not everybody loves credit cards. Uh, I know plenty of people our age who don't have any, which I don't know how they managed to get that far, but that's a whole other story. Um, Having a credit card hidden away for a rainy day just in case you need it is not a bad idea either. Travel insurance too, probably. It might come in handy. But with travel insurance, they make you pay first and then they pay you back later. So don't bank on that as your one sole way of getting your emergency fund yeah but yeah figure out about what you need for the trip to actually afford the trip and then maybe save a little bit more maybe like a quarter more if you can just to give you a little extra snafu a fund yep which i'm liking better than safety net snafu fund yeah <laughs> that sounds like a GoFundMe or, spinoff or a, a fubar fund i think snafu makes more fun makes more sense i don't know either one uh, whatever you want to call it. I kind of like snafu fund. It sounds a little snazzy. <laughs> I'm going to get you a piggy bank and put snafu fund on the side of it. I would not be sad about that. I would totally use that piggy bank. <laughs> I believe it. Digs it. Seattle to unknown snafu fund. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So, merchandise. Oh, good. Let's have our name permanently associated with Snafu funds. I'm not seeing a problem with this. I think you're just being a party pooper. <laughs> anyway, the next thing on our list is try things that scare you within reason. So I'm not saying go skydiving. I'm saying try a food that seems a little strange unless you have an allergy. If you have an allergy, don't try weird things. Please be careful. But um, one of the best treatments for anxiety is facing the thing that scares you. And that's hard and it sucks, but it's also one of the best ways to get over these anxieties. For example, let's say you start a new job and it makes you anxious and you it's kind of scary, but eventually it becomes routine. And once it's routine, it's no longer stressful. Unless you've got a shitty job and then it just stays stressful forever. But the point is, is that do little things that scare you. Take public transit if you're not used to it. Try new food. Like, stay at a hostel, even if you're maybe not super social. Like, do little things that are safe, but might not be comfortable and expand yourself a little bit. So low risk, risky things, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Because it's like, ooh, ziplining sounds fun, but I have to step off of this platform above the air and hope everything goes right. It does. You're fine. Listen to the instructions. But... Telling your brain it's okay to step off of this and I'm not going to like fall on my face. It's scary, but it ends up being worth it in the end and it's a total blast. Yeah, like my personal thing that I don't love doing when I travel is I don't love taking buses in other countries. I don't love it. I'll take a train. I'll take a streetcar. I'll do nearly anything else. I don't love taking the buses, which is part of the reason I walk so much, but I still do it sometimes. It's not my number one choice. But sometimes you just have to go, okay, don't love buses. I don't like trying to figure out how you pay for a random bus because they all seem to have a different, like some take coins, some take cash, some you have to pay by app. I don't love trying to figure that out. But when your option is walk five miles or take a bus for 15 minutes, I stop, I realize, okay, don't love it. Gotta do it. Just figure it out and power through. And that's not going to work for everyone's type of anxiety, but... It, it works for me and I kind of power through it and realize, yeah, that was probably for the best. Also, buses are kind of smelly sometimes. Yeah, but just because you can walk the distance between your locations doesn't mean you actually want to because maybe there's no sidewalk at certain points. Maybe you're kind of like way too close to a way too busy road or something, you know, where it's not pedestrian friendly to cross. So keep that in mind that sometimes... You just have to go for it. You might make a mistake on trying to pay, but you're never going to see those people again. This is true. So if you get a little embarrassed for trying to pay the wrong way, you're never going to see those people again. So, and they probably aren't paying attention to what you're doing anyways, because they're probably on their phone. Yeah. Everybody everywhere is on the phone, except for hopefully the bus driver. True. Please, bus drivers, don't play on your phone. Except there was a thing on the news recently about a kid that called 911 because he was pretty sure that his bus driver was drunk. Holy cow. Because they ran I, they ran a few red lights, I think it was, and they smelled like alcohol. So and he was trying to get like his friends to come off on get off at his stop, but the ju- bus driver wouldn't let them. But he was trying to help them be safe. Oh, a school bus driver? School bus. Like this kid oh, no. sounded like he was in elementary school. Oh, I don't like this story. Yeah. Everybody was fine. Like, everybody was safe and everything because I think they got pulled over and I think they actually were over. But good for that kid for A, trying to help his friends 
be safe, and B, actually calling 911 and reporting this bus driver. I, ooh, I like a bus driver that's both drunk but knowledgeable about where children get off the bus. Yeah, but don't run red lights. That's dangerous, especially in afternoon uh-huh. traffic. Yikes. Yeah. So don't get that bus driver. You're not helping with my bus-related anxiety. <laughs> that was a school bus. It's fine. Oh, okay. When yeah, you put it that way, difference. obviously. But anyways, like that kid did, the kid trusted their gut and did the right thing. So if something comes up where you're not too sure about it, trust your gut, but also double check that you're trusting your gut and not necessarily your brain because anxiety is going to lie to you. It's going to tell you you're you're not okay, but your gut's like, no, we should be cool. Yeah. For instance, something that I can relate to, social anxiety. Today, I was wearing boots that were super squeaky. Don't give me that look. I swear it comes to a point. Um, And all I could think was, oh my God, my shoes are loud. Everyone's probably thinking about how awful and loud they are. And I realized nobody gives a shit. Like sometimes you have to stop and question your anxiety. It might just be in your head. Zombie. Zombie. In your head, in your head. Yeah, is that really what you want to be trying to sing? <laughs> uh, oh gosh, she had I, range. This is true. My coworkers were singing that at karaoke recently, and I thought, is this really a karaoke song? This seems like not a karaoke song. Well, it's either going to be good or it's going to be horrific, and either way, it sounds like a good time as long as it's not me singing it. But it's also, you know, about bombs and death and murder. Weren't most songs from the grunge era like that? True. But like, mm, I don't know. It's not a feel-good song, that's for sure. Nobody said it was. Good song, They were kind of singing it like it was. Like, it's, they were like arms over each other's shoulders, swaying back and forth. Like, just the most joyful singing of a song about massacring each other. I'm just trying to think of it as like a weird like pop remix, like dance party pop remix of that song. And uh, yeah, I think did, did you, you well. read my tweet about that? I heard no. an EDM version of that song on our way on this trip. Somebody busted out a Bluetooth spe- speaker and were blasting like a dance version of it. Like this is not a dance song. Does nobody understand what this is about? Nope. Yeah, well. Clearly not. It's right up there with the dance version of um, Benfold 5's Brick. Sure. It's a song about abortion and taking your super sad girlfriend in to get an abortion when you're a teenager. It is not a dance song. This is the hill I will die on and I will feel totally justified on that. Anyways, shall we get back on topic? Maybe. In your head. I, I decided we shouldn't get back on topic. I see that. Continue singing. Okay. I want to hear you hit the notes. No, thank you. Your turn. Trust your gut. Not necessarily your brain, but your gut. Because most times your gut's going to be right on what to do. If it feels weird, then you should probably get out. If it feels like it's the right thing to do, then do it. Just sometimes your brain lies to you. Yeah, and you're not obligated to anyone for anything when you're traveling. If you meet someone and they say, hey, we're, we're going to go over to see this... And we'd love for you to come with us. If it doesn't feel right, you don't have to do it. And you don't have to justify why you're feeling anxious about it or what your quirks are with your anxiety to make you feel better. Because they can't tell you that your feelings are wrong. Yeah, only you will know that. So if there's something you don't want to do, maybe you bought a ticket for something and you change your mind or somebody invites you along and you just don't think it's right, or you do go along and you change your mind, you're not obligated to stay with them. 
make up an excuse. Get yourself out of there if you don't feel right. I have to go visit my llama. Bye. <laughs> You're what? I can't hear you. I'm already too far away. <laughs> oh, my grandma's calling. Bye. But on the other hand, if you have very active anxiety, sometimes it's okay to question that too and push your boundaries a little bit. If you decide partway through whatever it is that you've changed your mind, you've changed your mind. Back out, you're done. But if your anxiety tells you a lot of things are very bad, it's okay to, on vacation, try things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. My anxiety tells me that buses are bad. So I know, okay, yes, I my gut tells me this feels wrong. I don't like it, but it's a bus. I'm probably fine. So fact check your anxiety a little bit. Um, another good thing is developing a system to help you check in with yourself, I guess, would probably be the best way of like, okay, I'm feeling really anxious. What's potentially causing this? And just kind of take a moment and think, of what is becoming the stressors. Are you feeling rushed? Do you feel like you've forgotten something? Just take a moment to find a system that works for you to help try and address the simple things. If it's something a little bit bigger, you know, you're going to need a little bit more time. But first, you should probably just identify the, the fact that you are feeling anxious and try and figure out what's causing it. And if it's actually something you should be, you know, stressed and anxious and worried about. Yeah, and once you know what it is that's causing it, then figure out what your system is for making sure you know those things don't shouldn't be stressing you or addressing the stressors. For instance, if your stressor is being rushed about something, just develop the will to not be rushed. If people are trying to push you through lines that, I don't know, the only the thing I jump to is at the grocery store in Germany. They try to rush you through really, really quickly. And next thing you know, like instead of putting my cards away neatly in my wallet, I dump it in the bottom of the bag. And then the next time I go to the store, I get stressed because I can't find my cards. I have had to develop the will to not be rushed. Like, oh, you want me to move? Well, I'm going to put my stuff away neatly so I can find it next time. And you're just going to have to sit tight until I'm done. And that's not easy to do. If you have a social anxiety when someone wants you to do something you want to do that thing so when they say can you get out of the way the next customer is next uh my instinct is to say yes i'll go i'll be out of your way right now okay i'm leaving bye and just bolt out of there but that backfires in the future and i have to identify the chain of events that causes that so that i don't feel the stress later it's just delaying my stress I'd rather be slightly stressed in this moment of not wanting to displease this person who's telling me to hurry up than lose my credit card and be more stressed later. I think we've also probably developed, uh, I don't know, a thing, a culture, I guess, maybe where everybody get like, nobody should have extra special time or anything. Like, once your whole transaction's done, you need to be out of the way. You know, just a rushed feeling in lines in general that... God forbid mm-hmm. someone needs to like find their car that they've misplaced and then like people oh, yeah. people aren't patient anymore. That's a huge problem is that people can't wait. Some things take longer than others for transaction-based things and that's just how it is. It's not necessarily your fault. It's just how it is. There's more steps involved. So people oh, need gosh. to start approaching things, especially in shopping areas with a more patient mind that, you know, Mrs. Jones over here is 90, so she's going to take a little bit longer to run her card. It's not her fault. She's getting around. She's doing her thing. You shouldn't make her feel pressured or, you know, like being stupid or something or silly that they don't have, they haven't quite adapted to whatever the newest technology is for running your card. You know, be patient. And by being patient, you 
it just spreads. Be patient for other mm-hmm. people. They'll be patient for you. Because there's really no reason to feel stressed when you get to the machine and you can't find your card right off the bat. Like just take a deep breath. Look, be calm. You will find it. And if you're feeling pressured to find your card and run it, then it's just going to make you more frantic to try and find your card, which you're probably going to pass over. It's literally in your hand, but you're going to pass over because you're trying to look over everything quickly. Just mm-hmm. be kind to others. Be patient. Yeah, Plan ahead better. In those, yeah, in those moments where you're stressed because you can't find your card or whatever, let that serve as a reminder that next time, pause, take a beat, put it away, and don't let them push you through the line. Give yourself time and space. And then once you start being kinder to other people and more patient, you're going to see it happening more often. Yeah. Additionally, Spread the kindness we've talked about, and the patience. Like we talked about before, we've both de- developed our own systems for like putting tickets away. So we put them away consistently in the same place, that kind of thing. Like those are what we've identified, or at least I have identified as my personal stressors. And I created a system to address them. So whatever your stressor is, identify it, come up with a system. And once you stick to that system consistently, your anxiety for those things will fall away. My stressor is you losing important keys or tickets sometimes. Not lose, it's just in the wrong pocket that it shouldn't be in. I haven't done that in like three years. And I think the system of like telling each other, hey, I'm putting my ticket in the ticket spot in the front pocket of my purse or in the back pocket of my purse. I think that's just a good habit for both of us being together and probably separately because you're mentally telling yourself, hey self, I'm Mm -hmm. putting my card, my train card in my pocket because I'm gonna need it in 10 minutes when I get off. Oh, and I thought of another one. You developed a good habit of being patient with yourself. This is a free tip. I know I haven't had this issue in several years, but when you're leaving on vacation, especially if you live alone and you want to make sure that like you've locked everything up and all of that. A friend of mine told me once that when she leaves before vacation, she sticks her key in the door and as she locks it, she says a weird word to herself so that she has that weird word in her brain associated with closing her door and locking it. So there's no getting to the airport and going, did I lock my door? Because it's like in Garden State where she says, in this moment, no one has ever done this weird thing before. We are 100% unique or whatever her weird thing is. Because doing something weird and unique makes it memorable. So you remember, oh yeah, when I locked my door, I said flipperty gibbert to myself. I know How it's are you going to remember that? Because it's a funny word. But you associate it with something memorable. So if there's something you want to make sure you remember you did so you don't stress about it later, make it memorable when you do it. I like that, but make it an easier word to remember later on. Well, I use the word flibberty gibbert fairly often as a joke, so that would be memorable to me. The problem is, is when you go back the next time and you say the exact same word, you're like, wait, was that this time or last time? So it really does have to be a new word every time. Also, when your brain starts jumping to the worst case scenario, run those scenarios in your head to see if you can find logical conclusions for things. Like, what would really happen if you lost your passport? And if you aren't sure, talk to someone who travels or has been in a situation of a lost passport, and you could probably find out what to do in the worst case scenario. And it's not going to be bad. It's not going to be maybe the most fun adventure to have while you're gone. But you're going to find that there's a way to to fix any worst case scenario for the most part. Yeah, you're going to be okay. There's very little that could happen within the realm of reasonableness that you couldn't find your way back out of. Like, 
your purse gets stolen, what do you do? You go to the embassy, You they ask you some questions to help identify you because let's say you don't have any ID. They identify you, they help issue you a new passport, you're back on your feet, maybe you need to make some phone calls and get someone to send you some money. Maybe you need some help getting to the airport. Maybe your flight, you get put on a different flight because it's not on time. You don't get your passport on time. No matter what, you're still getting on a plane and getting out of there. Like you don't, you lost your passport in Spain. It doesn't mean you now live in Spain. No, it definitely does not mean you now live in Spain. You will get in big trouble (laughs) if they find out you've been there past your 90 days or whatever your visa's for. (laughs) Maybe instead of you know, going to the Vatican, you're going to learn about the embassy process of getting your passport replaced. It's not the best prospect, but it's a far cry from the end of the world. You will get through that. Ask my yeah. sister. She lost her passport in France. And As she's back in the U.S. multiple times. She lives in the U.S. now. So she is not stuck in France, I promise. No, but that would be interesting. So try, try and run through scenarios on, okay, if this happens, what do I do? And you're going to find that you can find solutions. It may not be ideal, but there are definitely solutions. Yeah, and maybe you're the type of person who, while running to the logical conclusion, takes a few sidetracks and finds some worse conclusions. If you feel that happening, talk to someone who's been there and done that. They're going to tell you, okay, sure, maybe, but this is the most likely actual conclusion. So your chance of getting eaten by the dinosaur on your way to the embassy is probably pretty low, so I wouldn't worry about that so much. Okay, but what about quicksand? I was led to believe in my childhood that quicksand would be a much more imminent danger than it currently seems to be. So if you fall in the quicksand, it's not as actually quick as you think it is, so chances are you could probably get out. Yeah, you're good, even in cases of quicksand. So, you know, running through this uh, worst case scenarios and how you get to a resolution also fact check yourself if you're afraid that your plane's gonna crash do a little googling and see how often that actually happens because it's not otherwise i don't think people would fly as nearly much as they do if they just dropped out of the sky yeah and i know it's really easy for people who don't necessarily have flight anxiety to say oh planes never crash it's no big deal if that is your particular brand of anxiety that it relates to flying it's not necessarily reading facts about airplane crashes is probably not going to help you. But logically, that information needs to sink in a little bit. So so just uh, keep an open mind when you're reading these things and try not to go down too many wormholes about bad news. Because you're going to find bad news if you're looking for it, guaranteed. Yeah, it's a fine line to walk. Like, read the good statistics, realize it's okay without going down Wikipedia wormholes. But if you can walk that fine line, it should be reassuring that statistically airplanes are very very safe and very rarely is there an old pioneer woman on the wing bridesmaids wasn't there an old pioneer woman i don't know i haven't seen that movie since we watched it the first time oh my god what's wrong with you that movie's so good uh i don't know if she's churning butter but all i remember is there's an old pioneer woman it sounds like a reference to the twilight zone no, those were gremlins. Well, I, I don't don't think the gremlins had bonnets or were churning butter, so. <laughs> um, and then finally, when in doubt, when you know your anxiety is more than what you can handle on your own, make sure you seek help where, where, where and when necessary. Yes, because while from the way we speak, you may believe that we are medical professionals, but we are in fact very much not. Good lord, if you think we're medical professionals, I'm worried. <laughs> Maybe it's that stethoscope I wear all the time. And my lab coat. I just want to be cozy, (laughs) y'all. 
Because as we all know, lab coats are very insulating and comfy. Yeah. I don't know how you justify Uh, wearing a stethoscope everywhere, but okay. I just like hearing people's hearts. Wait, wait, wait. Stop talking. I want to hear your heart. Nope. Heart pass. (laughs) Um, so the tips that we have just given you are things that, I mean, I can't speak for Melinda, but these are things that have helped me personally. And I'd say that my travel anxiety has lessened. I mean, I don't get a great deal of anxiety anymore related to travel, a little bit of stress around the TSA, but otherwise generally fine. But that was not always the case. I was a huge bundle of nerves when I went to Germany back in high school. It scared the bejesus out of me. But over time, I kind of figured out, okay, these are what things I need to do to make myself feel comfortable. And hopefully this is a good jumping off point for you. If it's not and you have other tactics, let us know about them. But if these are not a sufficient jumping off point, if you have not developed a sort of an anxiety proof way of going about things when you travel, talk to someone, talk to a friend Ask them how they feel about travel. Ask them if they have any pointers. And if you still don't feel comfortable, you can seek help. Doctors, there are doctors who specialize in helping with anxiety and in particular travel anxiety. It's a thing and they want to help you as much as possible. So, and maybe if it is completely debilitating, then reassess. Start small and build your way up if you want to. Travel is travel no matter how far you go. Travel doesn't inherently involve getting on a plane if that scares you. Plane, not planes, uh, trains, automobiles, boats, buses, bicycles. Yep. You've got options. Oh, it's and, cool. And if flying is a big concern for you, there are actually programs that take you, like they work your way up to flying. So they'll do like a fake flight on the ground and then they'll take you on a really short flight and they sort of build your way up until you feel comfortable. So... If it is an absolutely debilitating fear of flying that you have, there are programs that would hopefully help you through that. Just try whatever you need. See what works for you. Just, I think, checking in with yourself and and identifying that you're feeling anxious and trying to figure out why, I think that's probably a good starting point too because then that can start the conversation with a medical professional if need to or with anybody else of like, hey, I start feeling like this because of this. Have you ever had that? What do you do? But identifying the fact that you are feeling anxious and about your travels or anything, that's, start there. Start small. It's okay. You can go home. You can replace most of anything. And then work your way back, find what's causing it, and go from there. I do not have a tip of the week. This whole list has been a tip of the week. (laughs) Um, Tip of the week is wear sunscreen and protective layers. Don't be like Sarah and become like alpine fried chicken. (laughs) Uh, if you don't have a tip of the week, I can tack one on to that, which is if you Wear get a sunscreen. sunburn. If you get a sunburn, because it happens, there is a gel by La Roque Posay, which is like a French skincare brand. They make very, very good sunscreen if you remember to apply it everywhere. But it is their B5 gel. Like I said at the top of the episode, um, I went to the pharmacist and handed her my little prescription for my doctor. And she scoffed and said, this isn't going to help you because my pharmacist is way smarter than my doctor. I'm just saying. Um, And it's their B5 gel. I put it on my sunburn, which truly looked like a a zombie prosthetic from The Walking Dead. And by the next day, it was no longer red and the blisters had healed and... 
like my skin started to flake, but that's all part of the healing process. And now it's a it's been five days since I got the gel and it's all healed up. And I don't have a whole lot of faith that if I had done nothing to it, that it would be this well healed at this point. So I highly recommend checking out their B5 gel and keeping it on you if you are prone to sunburn. Which I just found on Amazon. It's actually reasonably priced and it's Amazon Amazon's choice. Can't talk. Yeah, I think it so. was eight euros in Germany, which is not too shabby. And I think I'm just going to have a couple bottles at home, one in my suitcase ready to go, one in my bathroom, because it was pretty miraculous how quickly it got better. Hmm. Is it that? Did I find the right uh, thing? That is the balm. There's also a gel. I haven't tried the balm, but I know the gel works. So if need be, Amazon kids. Yeah. I ha- also love their sunscreen. I had that on my face. And my face did not burn a single itty bitty bit. So, and that was wearing it for four hours, which is pretty impressive too. So yeah, I like them. A plus would recommend. In fact, I just did. Imagine that. Uh, I think that's it for us today. Hopefully this gets you on the right track if you're feeling a little anxious about an upcoming trip or anything. Just remember that it's an adventure and it'll probably all work out. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it. We believe in you. Agreed. First step is locking your doors and saying a funny word. I recommend Fliberty Gibbert. I'm going on an adventure. Say that to yourself. That would be memorable. Especially if you wave your arms in the air while you do it. Do you have to have the map or is that optional? Map optional if you have Google Maps because you don't really want to wave that around. True. Yeah. Join us next week for more travel shenanigans. And stuff. And things. Stuff and fluff. Puppin' Suds. That is a reference that I haven't made in a long time. Puppin' Suds. Like Team Puppin' Suds? Uh-huh. Yeah! <laughs> We're all about, like, the old school, like, Disney Channel original movies today, and I'm loving this. Gosh. Wait till we start breaking up the Xenon references. Oh my gosh. Yes. Isn't Protozoa dreamy? I was gonna say, I'm totally gonna see Protozoa play next week, so... <laughs> Okay, we need to stop. We're probably going to get sued by Disney. Nah, they love us. Okay, bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Seattle to Unknown. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating on whatever platform you are listening to us on. If you're interested in following us, look us up on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We're on all three platforms as at C to Unknown. That's S-E-A-T-O Unknown. Or you can jump right onto our website, www.c2unknown.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at SAR underscore S, and Melinda is on both as at Hooligan Monster. If you have any travel stories or tips you want to share with us, please reach out to us at our email, which is c2unknown at gmail.com. Thank you, and we hope to see you back here next week. Bye!